welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! I want to um, do something really quick before we transition the kids, because I want everybody to just to hear this. I, I, um, I've been feeling something so special the last six weeks in my own life, and I've been living in this like really interesting encounter with the Lord pretty consistently for six weeks. And um, I just feel like this season is really significant. I know it's significant for me. I believe it's significant for you. And I believe what God wants to do this morning is significant. I believe what he wants to do in this chapter of your, of your life is significant. And, um, you know, we believe here that God speaks. We believe in the power of dreams. If you were here on our 11th year celebration, you heard me share a few things and I heard a dream this morning that really rocked me, actually. I felt the weight and, like, the presence of God on it. I I really felt it. And I want the dream to be shared. And so I'm just going to invite quickly Sarah Miracle to the platform. And she had a dream several days ago. And I'd like her to share with with the house what she had. Can you hear me? (laughs) Jesus, we love you this morning. And I believe God's heart is over your church in this season. There's something significant God is doing. And two nights ago, I had this dream and I had come to a rugby field inside a shopping mall. And I'm like, what is happening? And uh, Kingdom Culture was playing in this rugby match. And I had come to cheer you guys on and, and, and celebrate with you and what God was doing. And, but it was like a serious game. And I went to the sidelines and Sean was your coach. And I couldn't see the faces of the people on the team. But a rugby, rugby team is a larger team, you know, like it's stacked. And um, you guys were playing in funeral clothes. You were trying to win this rugby match dressed in black, like nice funeral clothes. And um, you were, it was like halfway through the match and you were super discouraged. And I went over to Sean and, and I had this impression. I had to tell him, you need to tell your team to take off the funeral clothes and put on your original clothing. And it wasn't take off your funeral clothes and put on new clothing or now clothing, you know, but it was put on your original clothing and you will win. And um, Sean gathered the team and and you guys all went into the change room. You came back out in this original clothing. And um, to me, it looked kind of like how you were intended to dress how the Lord created you and your conception to dress and be and show up and you won and we celebrated the win and I felt even in my dream like I'm a big dreamer and if you're a dreamer you can sometimes like feel the unction in your dream and I felt like the Lord was saying the season of grieving is over 
Oh, come on. By faith, we declare this morning. And sometimes when you grieve, and I, I don't know, by, you know what that season has looked like for your house, for your people. But we're getting back in our original clothing. And sometimes it's, it's actually like a physical thing. It's not because by faith you're there. But it was like a physical thing. I have to change my garments. I can't wear what I wore in the past season. I can't speak like I did in the past season. We're not mourning anymore. We are not mourning anymore. And I just felt so moved by the Spirit. And you know, I don't live in Ottawa. I live about two hours away. And I'm like so with you guys. I'm backing you. You have what God has intended you to have. You've had it this whole time. And we're putting the original clothing back on. Um, and so in, in, the, in the rest of the dream, you guys had one, and I was celebrating with you, and, um, and Harley wasn't there in, in the stadium, and I had uh, called her to see what was going on, because she's a significant part of your house. And I'm like, girl, you know, we just won. And, and she said, um, my vehicle um, is just having some problems. And I said, well, meet me at the shopping mall where the rugby field is. Okay. Uh, bye, Hallelujah. <laughs> and I said, meet me there, and uh, we can exchange vehicles. And so she came, and I, we're parked in the shopping mall, and I said, you know, wherever you're going, you can't get there in your car anymore. You need my vehicle. And my vehicle was newer, and in her vehicle, I was just so honored to sit in her car. And it was full of, like, 20 years of artifacts and things. And... and um, we, we switched cars and off she went to accomplish the mission in which, which God has called her to and, and me the same. But I just feel like God's hand, he's, he's orchestrating things like he always does. And I want you to listen by, put your Jesus ears on. And prophetically, I want you to hear what the Lord is saying this morning. He is speaking to this house. He's speaking to your leadership. He is doing things in this season that doesn't make sense, like a rugby field and a shopping mall. And I come to encourage. That's what the prophetic does. It, it encourages. It edifies the church. It lifts you higher. And this morning, if you are not fully apart, I want to encourage you this morning to tie in. Tie in. Become a part of what God is doing. We can't have you on the sidelines anymore in this season because we have come to win. Jesus has won the victory, but we have come to accomplish what he has called of you. And by faith this morning, we are demanding all of heaven's backing on everything that kingdom culture is called to, everything that it will accomplish by faith, the souls, the city, the people. We say now is the time. Now is the time. We kill the funeral clothes. We kill the funeral clothes. We are putting on our robes of righteousness this morning. And we are going forward. And victory, victory is yours, says the Lord. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the cool thing is about that, it's really powerful. Like, I can just get hit with, like, the presence of God on the stage, I, which is the second time I've heard it now. And each time I just get hit with the weight and the significance of what she's saying. She wasn't here on our 11th, and uh, this whole season is all about 
like we've been talking about. And really the premise is like John 11, 11, Lazarus, I'm going to go wake him up. The thing that Lazarus had to do when he got up was get rid of his grave clothes. Like, like get rid of the grave clothes. And some of us, we carry the residue of the past and we can't, we can't move forward into the future. And God wants to lift those grave clothes off of you in this season. He wants us to wear the original, the original plan. And sometimes we, we get off the original plan, don't we? And we miss it out. We miss it because of life, responsibility. Some of you, you started well, but you didn't necessarily end the last season well. Some of you, you're here, that's great, but you're not where you could be and should be. And it's time to put back on the original clothes that God intended you to wear. And I take it. I take it for me. Jesus, we thank you that this is that season. This is that season. And we are going to wake up into who we are created to be in a whole new place in Jesus' name. We celebrate the past, but we celebrate what's coming moving forward even more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to dismiss the kids into kid culture and youth into youth culture. And so excited that you're here. So excited that you're here. Everybody, welcome to Kingdom Culture. We, we really value dreams. We value the voice of God in this house. There is no relationship without all of that. You do not have relationship with God if there is no voice of God. He is not this iconic, disconnected figure, icon, and uh, he is a relational God. He speaks today, and, and we just celebrate that. We champion that. I've taught on this for over 20 years now, and I, 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 it's the most important part of our relationship with Jesus. Of course, without the cross, there would be no relationship, but in relationship, in sustaining relationship, knowing the voice of God is everything. You know, Romans 8 verse 14 says, those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Your sonship is proven in your ability to be led by a father. By your ability to be led by the Spirit. You cannot be led where you do not recognize the voice of God leading you. Right? So it's so important that we unpack this and live this out and as you remember I, I had this dream not too long ago about just God pulling out earwax out of the ear in this season pulling unplugging the ears and I believe he's continuing to do that in the spirit I I um, had the privilege last night of uh, sharing at a I'm just gonna come over here do the annual turning off the snare drum I'm sorry let's do this <laughs> it's all good it's all good vibrates you know got to get rid of the vibrations need the right vibrations up here no I'm just joking I know that sounds new age but it's not actually um, I, I want you to close your eyes just for a few moments and uh, I want you just to put your hand on your heart and ask God to speak to you this morning. Just say, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. Come on, really, really ask Him. 
God, speak to me this morning. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to hear, open up our ears to hear, help our senses to be awakened to your presence in a whole new way. God, I pray that you would surprise us today with what you do. Surprise us with what you do in this place. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you care about the little things. And God, I just pray that this truly would feel like a different season in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I had the privilege of last night, we got home, Matt and I got home at like 2.30 in the morning, drove a few hours away, spoke at a men's conference in the middle of a forest, and uh, it was an amazing time. Probably some of the, I'm like, man, I'm like, like what are they going to serve for camp food at a, at a, at a men's like retreat? And I, we get there, they had prime rib, I mean, they had the man stuff. It was no mac, it was no mac and cheese, and you know, it was like prime rib, you know, horseradish, Yorkshire pudding. It was like the best camp food I've ever had probably in my life. Che- homemade cheesecake and apple pie. Yeah, it was wild. It, it was just amazing. But a powerful, powerful night. We uh, The session, I think, started at like 9 o'clock, and we were in the pitch black by a bonfire, and God moved, and to see God moving in men. I believe God's giving men their fight back. I really believe that in this. We prayed for the men last week, and I really believe that. And seeing grown men cry, men coming to me and saying, you know, pray for me. I've been in unbelief and doubt for 40 years in my relationship with God. Like, just surrendering and confessing and, and, you know, people that have just come out of drug, severe drug addiction, out of rehab, and just amazing things. Seven seven uh, men in that on that day alone gave their hearts to Jesus for the first time just like crazy amazing things took place uh, the, uh last night and and during the weekend and I'm thankful for those opportunities and they they always just remind you of how amazing the body of Christ is to see all these business a lot of business people from all different walks and backgrounds and uh just an amazing amazing time I'm excited about how many are excited about next week you know, if you haven't signed up for the marriage event, you have one more day. That's tomorrow, today. Technically, tomorrow's the deadline. Um, and uh, Sunday, they're going to be here. It's going to be an amazing time. So pre- please invite your friends. Invite married couples. If you know any married couples out there that need to be in the room, not just married couples, sorry, like singles, invite them all uh, for Sunday morning. It's going to be a powerful time. I'm so excited, Michelle and I. These are our counselors. And that we've been meeting them on Zoom crazy. We've been meeting them on Zoom for five years. And we're meeting them for the first time in real life. I don't even know how big they are, how small they are. I mean, it's crazy. You know, when you see somebody on Zoom, you're like, wow, you're a lot smaller than I thought. Or, you know, super excited. We're so, so excited about this. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 to 12 says, this is John's revelation, John's vision. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We were just saying worthy, worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, Jesus who died, Jesus who was crucified, to receive power, worthy of what? To receive power, riches, wisdom, 
strength, honor, glory, and blessing. You're worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. When you have a worthy of it all mentality, you're able to give it all. When you have a worthy of it all mentality, we're ta- I was talking last night about getting off of the fence. Like the only way you get into the place that God wants you to get into is if you go all in. You have a worthy of it all mentality. There are way too many believers that are half in, half out. You come to church because your parents drag you to church. You come to church because you feel like it's the right thing to do. You're on the fence. When you live in the have-tos and not the get-tos, you're living on the fence. I have to do this to somehow, you know, appease God or get God's approval. But when you understand that you get to do this and you get to have relationship, all of a sudden everything really actually changes. God does not want you to be a religious fence-sitter. He does not want you to sit on the fence and compromise. He doesn't want you to be half in and half out, have one foot on the line. He wants you to be all in in full surrender. That's how you're going to be totally transformed into the being and the person you're called to be. It's not going to be because you taste test God. God is not an appetizer. He's the main course. He's the only course that matters. He's the main course. He's the main dish. He's strong meat. There's no vegans in the kingdom. I'm just joking. Sorry for all the vegans out there. Sorry for all the vegans, the vegetarians. Just so you know, all of my food takes a dump on your food, but sorry, I'm just sorry. Got to lighten the load a little bit. I'm just joking. My wife kind of laughed there, so that was good. That was kind of good. Everybody else, some people were offended. I'm sorry. I used the word dump in church, I know, but hey. <clears throat> I don't try to fake, by the way, I, I don't, like how I am here is how I am at home. Hence why my wife would say sometimes to me, don't preach at me. It's because I, I am this way. I'm not trying to come up here and be all polished and, and get you to like me. Right? I, I've done that before. I don't want to do that ever again. I have no desire for the praise to get liked, to get likes, so polish myself, have the most amazing message every week, like, I'm kind of done with that. You know, I want God to move, that's all I care about. I want God to make big people. I want God to do what he said he was going to do, and that's transform lives. We spent time in John 11, and I've been talking about this, and we started it on September 3rd. We celebrated 11 years as a local church community. I talked about John 11, 11. I shared a little bit about what God had spoken to me on the plane coming back from Brazil. And I want to kind of continue in that track a little bit. And I want to move over to John chapter 12. Now in John chapter 11, we know that Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was in the tomb for four days. Jesus comes to the tomb, calls him out. The stench is wicked. They were like, there's no way, how can you come now and raise him from the dead? It's been four days. He's, the body's beginning to decompose and smell. And Jesus comes to the tomb and he calls him out. And Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes. Powerful moment. Powerful miracle happens and takes place 
one chapter later. Let's go to John chapter 12. Much time has passed now, six days before the Passover celebration began. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. So now he's back in a similar space where he was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. The man he had raised from the dead. Verse 2, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. When you prepare and facilitate a space in honor of Jesus, God moves. Very important. Like there's a preparation that takes place. When you create a space for God to move, God will move. If you give him no space, he won't move. When I'm sitting with people, wherever I am, I'm always, almost always trying to give him space. God, speak. What do you want to do? Why am I in this meeting? Why am I in this conversation? Is there anything that I need to hear? Is there anything that I need to do? Is there anything that I need to say? In a conversation just last week with a couple, and, uh, you know, we were outside, and, and, and the whole time we're having this conversation, I'm asking God, like, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And sometimes it takes a little bit to find that, 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 that word that's going to open the conversation up, and, man, amazing things happened in this conversation. We moved the conversation inside and amazing things happened. Somebody was eavesdropping. I was sharing the gospel with this individual that really never had heard the gospel before. And I was sharing the gospel with this individual in a coffee shop. My wife was with me and there was a person that was eavesdropping, three people actually that were eavesdropping on our conversation. They came over at the end of the conversation, interrupted the conversation and said, hey, we've been listening to your conversation and they begin to thank us. It was really interesting. And then they asked for prayer. And then we got to pray for these people in the coffee shop. And the power, the presence of God came into the coffee shop. But you could feel the tangible shift when we began to pray. And the person that I had been sharing the gospel with began, began to cry. And if anything, that moment was for him. That moment was to see, wow, like this is real deal stuff here. This ain't no religious joke. Like I... I live out and believe what I say I believe. And so we create space for moments like this. You could tell the other, other woman down in the corner was like smirking and watching. I don't know what she was thinking. Because we were talking, I have a loud voice. My wife's always call, telling me to dial my voice down. Looks like she is Harley. You know, and, and, and uh, I have a loud voice. And I mean, I don't know. Everybody kind of hears. You can't really hide it. You're sharing the God, like you're sharing what it means to be born again. You're sharing the gospel. People are going to hear it. They're going to pick it up because, and most people, uh, the issue is like they don't think that I believe this stuff by the way I look, even more so when I used to have dreadlocks. They, people always questioned me and never thought that I actually was, you know, like a minister of the gospel. People never would assume that. So I love that. I love that because it catches people off of guard all the time, all the time. But we have to create space. Dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor table was set. It was a facilitated moment. Our life, our gatherings, our connect groups, our offering moments on Sundays, our relationships should be a facilitated moment in honor for God to move. When they are, God moves. Every moment is a holy moment. There is no distinction or separation. Let's, this whole idea of separating church and state is a very religious, anti-God perspective. God is a 24-hour on top in everything God. 
He made everything. He is in everything. We can see him in everything. He's called an omnipresent God, which means he's everywhere all the time. His eyeballs are everywhere all the time. You cannot separate yourself. That's why I can't stand when people pray at dinner, God be with our conversation. Like he's not. <laughs> be with us in our conversation. That doesn't even make any sense. He created everything. He's in your conversation whether you invite him or not. But why not create a space that honors him? And talk about things that honor him. It says here, in verse chapter 3, or like finishing off in verse 2, Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with them. So here you have the resurrected man, Lazarus, meeting with the one who resurrected him with Martha and Mary. Verse 3, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping, listen to this, his feet with her hair. Everyone say hair. Everyone say hair again. Because I, I, I have spoken from this passage three times in the last probably five years. And I've never really stopped and really broken down the hair piece. The hair part of this. It's very, very significant, the hair. Why did she wipe his feet with her hair? First of all, the feet are the dirtiest part of the body. There were ceremonial washings that would have to be done before they would sit down and eat because the way they would sit down and eat was their feet were basically like touching the person beside them because they weren't sitting on chairs. They were basically sitting on the ground. And so the feet was like right close to the mouth. Imagine, imagine walking all day in Jerusalem, dirty feet all day, all day. You come into someone's house to eat and your feet are next to someone's like mouth opening. And you're eating your soup and you're smelling the feet that's gross right so that's why there was ceremonial washings washing the feet was a big deal washing the hands was a big deal but the feet were actually considered the dirtiest lowliest gross part of the body in that culture the smell would just be crazy so here she's pouring out this offering this perfume that's worth a whole year's salary on the feet of Jesus, and then she wipes it with her hair. Very, very significant. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas, everyone say Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been given or sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. Often the people that criticized the most about what you do when it comes to honoring Jesus because he's worthy of it all they, they criticize because they they don't understand they don't have the same revelation of you but they criticize because they want to sound more holy than you they want to sound smarter than you why did you waste your money and not that he even cared there was a wrong motive here there was a wrong motive that perfume was worth a, weird, a year's wages. Verse 6, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And Jesus replied, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Judas, leave her alone. We all know you're going to screw it all up anyways, Judas. Like, you're, you're going to betray me. I mean, he didn't say that, but he knew. Leave her alone. 
she's doing this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Is Jesus worthy of it all? That's the question. Is he worthy of it all? And I, like I've said, I've talked about this scripture in many different ways over the years about smelling. Does your house smell like generosity? Because the way your house smells, I mean, even physically, is a sign of what you make in your house. You can go into a house, man, it smells like onions. It smells like garlic. That house is like, you're cooking garlic all the time. It's like infused in the walls. You know what I'm talking about? You know what somebody eats and digests every day. You know the sacrifice they live by. You know what lifestyle they live by how their house smells. You don't know your house has a smell, by the way, until you go on vacation for a week. <laughs> you have to come back and like, man, what's that smell? It's how it always smells. We just get used to it. Right? You just don't know how it smells until you leave. Some, some of you need to leave for like two weeks. Because people come into your house, they don't, they don't like coming to your house. You don't know why they don't like coming to your house. You just leave for two weeks, come back, and you'll know why they don't like coming to your house. You need to get some candles in there. Sandalwood. <laughs> but I want to talk about the hair. And I want to I make this, I want to bring this subject up. But I want you to write this down if you can, if you're, if you're taking notes. Write this down. I want to talk about dirty generosity. dirty generosity and and how that creates an honor culture i want to talk about dirty generosity and how that creates an honor culture everyone say dirty hair don't care that's the mentality that the most successful and significant people live by now i'm speaking metaphorically here you need to wash your hair speaking metaphorically that generosity and sacrifice is dirty. It's messy. If you want to create the culture that God's called you to create, to honor the one that's given you a calling, you got to get down and dirty sometimes. It's not going to be easy. It's like employees, like employee 101. If you want to stay in your current employee status, then never do above and beyond what's required of you. If you want to excel, go above and beyond. There is a sacrifice involved. If you want to grow and you want to go and you want promotion in your life, don't just do what's expected of you. That is not the way to get to where God's called you to get to. Sacrifice is involved. It's dirty. It doesn't feel easy. It might smell at times. It might be hard at times. And I feel this as a house in this season is that God wants to rejuvenate honor culture again. We become so convenient in our culture. I'm talking about, let's just talk about church for a second, you guys. Honor culture 101. Come to church on time. You can get up for your job but you cannot get up for God's house on time. Now that's a encouraging rebuke. And I'm not calling anybody out specifically here because I don't even watch you come in. I purposely look forward on Sunday mornings. I'm on the front. But honestly, why does the world get our best and God get our second best? Because we're not getting paid? So is money the driver for your, your best in life? Man, that's just not kingdom. Like honor culture, like, like think about this, in, in church culture, we gather when it's convenient. 
if parking's not good, well, we don't want to go there, right? Man, I was just in Brazil. I was talking to Eduardo about this. I was just in Brazil not several weeks ago, and, and I was at this church, and it was packed every night, and uh, like full every night, and I come in, I get dropped off by this individual, and and there's no parking lot. There's like, I don't even know where people park, and there's like hundreds and hundreds of people, and and I asked, I asked one of the guys, I'm like, where's everybody, where's everybody park? Like, everywhere. And then they just walk. Man, I'm like, Canada, it's like, it's inconvenient, it's cold, it's maybe a rainy day. Let's just turn on the YouTube and watch online, or not even. We don't want to, we don't want to trek it out, especially to get on time. Well, we got kids. I get it. We got four kids. What you create value for for your kids will go well with them down the road. If you let your kids shape your value of being on time or not on time, guess what? They will repeat that pattern. You don't value it, they won't value it. You think it's not absorbing inside of them, but it is. They see mommy and daddy late for church every week. Hear my heart. They see you give your best to everything else in life, but when it comes to the gathering of the house of God, we give our second best. We call that our lazy leftovers. It's convenient. That's not honor culture. We will not create a safe space of honor culture if we treat God's house as something that doesn't matter too much. And expect our kids that when they're 16, 17, 18 year olds to love God, to love God. No, they won't maybe. Because of how the, how the pattern was modeled for them. Listen, you're going to have all the excuses in the book as to why you can't do something. But as soon as you put a money price tag on it, you can do it. That tells me you've lost the heart. You don't have vision. You don't have a revelation. You see, I get to do this. Because if I don't do this, we don't grow. We don't grow. We don't move forward. Honor culture looks like getting low, getting dirty. It's hard. It's inconvenient. It's meltdowns. It's staying up late. Like, man, like I, I was telling people uh, for our big event in the, in, the, in the park not too long ago, I'm like, bring your kids. Expose your kids. Well, it's inconvenient. The kids got to go to bed. Who cares? Your kids can go to bed the next day. Well, they'll have a meltdown. Who cares? You know what? You don't, don't rob God of an opportunity to minister to them because they absorb stuff push them a little bit. Kids are more resilient than you think. It's you that's not resilient. We've learned this, Michelle and I. It's, at the end of the day, it's always that's us not, that are not resilient. Yeah, I get there's balance. I'm not saying bring your kids every, out, every night out to two in the morning at church every single night of the week. No, be responsible, have balance. But man, once in a while, like guys, come on. Like, and I'm a dad saying this to the moms out there because it's usually the moms straight up. I'm sorry. I love you moms. But stop making excuses because those excuses will pay dividends both negative and positive in the future of your kids. Honor culture is, is coming. Like, I, I would encourage you, come here for pre-experience prayer. Like, man, there's, there's churches that meet at 6 a.m. in the morning. Now, I'm not saying I want to do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to promote that or anything, but it's like, why is it so early? Well, We've been, this is what we have right now, Cineplex. We don't have the opportunity to meet late. We have to be out at a certain time. So we have to do what we can do with what we have. Man, if we 
honored God in these ways and differently in this season, the atmosphere of this house would change. The atmosphere of your life would change. Because sacrifice always equals something great when it's led by the Spirit. It's obedient sacrifice. Leaders give, consumers take. And we want to be a leader-driven culture where people have a heart to come to give God their best. We don't want to be a buffet where you just come and take. We want to be a place where you can be a part of making the buffet with us. Creating an atmosphere that loves God, that honors honors heaven. Honor is a powerful, powerful thing. And it's funny, I, I had this, um, speaking of generosity, I had this, uh, this dream like, like in May, back in early May, and I shared it at the Lettuce Worship Gathering. If you were there, I've shared it. I shared it in the team meeting, and I, I talked about how um, I saw in the dream those that would come around the vision of Lettuce Worship. This was in the dream. Uh, and sow in and support. I saw Sean Foyt going around, who's the leader of Let Us Worship. This is the dream I had. He went around and he was giving $100,000 stacks of USD to these people that were supporting him. So $100,000 stacks of bills. He was handing them out to people. I shared this and I, at the Let Us Worship gathering, and I said, I said, listen, I believe that if you come around and you sow in and you support what God is doing in this ministry, there's going to be like a hundredfold blessing over your life. I saw him like giving $100,000 USD stacks of bills to people. Somebody, a business guy from uh, of the East Coast had come to this event. He flew in on, on Friday and he came and, and he felt the Lord speak to him to sew in the specific number into the vision. And then he, got, he heard me get up on stage and share this dream. Four days later, he calls me. He actually left a voicemail on her uh, not many people leave voicemails on our answering machine. I actually forgot we had an answering machine, to be honest with you. Jean sent it to me. Left a voicemail saying, can you call me? And I knew who he was because I had met him on Friday. He said, I have a crazy story to tell you. He said, I showed in to the vision of Let Us Worship. And four days later, after I heard you share that dream, I positioned my heart for this. And he said, four days later, I received a $100,000 USD stack from a business contract I wasn't supposed to get. USD, it was exactly my dream. It was blown away. Because when you are obedient in sacrifice, God rewards you. Let me just tell you this. Scripturally speaking, the tithe is not a sacrifice. The tithe is just His. It doesn't even, it's not even yours, scripturally speaking. It's when you start to give and sacrifice above and beyond what's already His that He says is yours. The sacrificial, it like, Things shift. And I can tell you hundreds of stories when you are obedient in your sacrifice and what that does. It's crazy. So he's sharing this with me. I'm blown away. I'm like, man, $100,000. It was a hundredfold. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. He did it again four days later, five days later. No, he did it again a day later. And a week later, he texted me another report saying, I just got another hundredfold return. He just texted me like three days ago. Isn't that wild? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly, it's the kingdom. Nothing in the kingdom makes sense. But when you are obedient and you get down and dirty sometimes in your generosity, in life, in your time, in your talents, in your finances, things happen because God is that good. Let me just zone in, though, a little bit on this hair piece for a second. Can I say hair piece in this house? 
Hair in ancient Israel signified important features of identity and respect to gender, ethnicity, and holiness. It actually represented glory, power, and strength. Scripturally speaking, Paul likens a woman's hair as the covering. A long hair is like the glory of a woman. The glory of a woman, the strength, the identity, a covering. In Judaism and many other cultures in the ancient world, hair was associated with women's glory, her self-worth, and respect. So in other words, think about this for a second. When Mary offered this offering at the feet of Jesus, she placed her self-worth, identity, self-respect, her strength, and glory at the feet of Jesus. Are you with me? There's powerful symbolic representation in this story. The feet represent, represented humility and honor according to John chapter 13. It was the very vehicle used to bring the gospel to the world in Romans chapter 10 verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The feet represent dominion, Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I've given you. As I said to Moses, speaking to Joshua in the possession of the land. The feet also represents authority and power found in Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Every place that the soul, or sorry, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So the feet represent authority, power, dominion, humility, honor. So for her to get down and take her identity and tie it in with his dominion and covering is a powerful statement. I'm coming under you. I'm coming under you in honor. You are my authority. You are the power in my life. I am identifying not with my hair, but with your feet. Crazy, eh? I'm not identifying with the way the world has said I should identify. I'm getting low and identifying with the lowliest place. Write this down if you're taking notes really quickly. If we're going to live in dirty generosity, we have to lay down how we identify. That's a big one in this culture, right? right? How we identify. There's only one identity that matters. Only one. And it's the identity you find in Christ alone, period. You can identify however you want. You can identify by your sexual orientation, by anything. You could identify by feeling like you're a cat, you're a dog, you're a mouse. You could do whatever you want. None of that is even real. It's all in your head. And you could live in your head. Please don't. That's really sad. At the end of the day, when you die, there's only one thing that matters that you identify with, and that's Christ and Christ alone. It's the submission and surrender to who he is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 to 3 says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and you're, listen to this, your real life is hidden with Christ. You have a real life, and the real life is not hidden in you, it's hidden in Christ who now lives in you. The way you find you is to find Christ. So the reason why people are identifying, self-identifying with everything but Christ often in the culture is because they're not finding him. They're just following all of the way the culture is going and they're leaning into a culture rather than Jesus himself. They're missing it, they're missing it, missing it entirely. He is where we find real life. Are you with me? 
man, I, I, I am so mad, mad at myself because I, you know, I, I was thinking about this, laying down how we identify. And when I first gave my life to Jesus and, you know, people would identify me as like the dreadlock preacher all the time. The dreadlock prophetic guy. That's how I always, and I actually was going to bring a dreadlock and I was going to throw it at Harley and I forgot it. I had, a dread, I had it in my pocket last week, actually. I still have my, my hair. I know that's weird. Probably you're like, what the heck's going on? So sad I didn't have it. I wanted to show you. I wanted to bring it up here. I was going to throw it in the audience and hear the screams, the shrieks. It's clean. Don't worry. It's clean. I'm going to hide one in your house. You don't even know I did it. It's like a rabbit's foot. You, you put it on your pillow, you dream at night. It's amazing. Just joking. I gave you one, right? And you put it under Adrienne's pillow? That's awesome. Good job. See, no one's really laughing because they're all grossed out by it, but it's, it's funny to me. But I, I used to kind of feel like that was a part of my identity. Like, I, I, it's because it was. I was like, I got, I had this encounter with Jesus and one, I had dreadlocks. And people used to tell me, when you cut your hair, you're going to lose your strength, Sean. Don't cut your hair. People actually told me that, like, in the name of God. Like, man... I ain't no Samson. What are you talking about? Like, cut my hair, lose my strength. Like, come on. You know, that's craziness. But man, when we got married, like, I, I, like uh, just confession time, like, man, I used to, have, I wore woman's pantyhose on my head at night because I didn't know about the do-rag thing. So I just go to Walmart, too much information I know. To, I had to put my hair up in a, in a, in a thing because who wants to sleep with long dreadlocks? So we get married on a honeymoon. She goes to bed, and I'm in this big, like, woman's pantyhose. The white part of the crotch is, like, right here. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what else to wear at night. I can't go to sleep with dreadlocks. You know? Jicky, where were you back then? Man? I didn't know about the do-rag thing. Where were you back then, man? I know that's way too much information, but hey. Take the sound bite out, put it on the internet. Yeah, he wore penny, woman's pantyhose. No, I did, I did that at one time in my life. Clarification. We need to lay down how we identify. Some of you are like, I'm never going back to that church again. Number two, laying down our self-worth. Mary laid down not only how she identified with her glory, using her hair to touch the feet of Jesus, wipe the feet of Jesus off. She laid down her self-worth. She got low, touched his feet, wiped his feet, with her hair. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, this same Mary, scholars actually have wrestled with this over the years, but the same Mary that's found in Luke 7 and Luke 10 is the same Mary most all scholars believe to be is the same Mary whose brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. And there's a, a real reason why that's important is because, you know, in Luke chapter 7, we have this prostitute who was wiping the feet of Jesus with her tears. And in Luke chapter 10, we have Mary, who most scholars say is the same Mary, who's now sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then in this scripture that I just opened up with in John chapter 12, we have the same Mary now, right before Jesus goes to the cross, pouring out an expensive jar of perfume and wiping her hair with her feet. All very significant moments. In one moment, you have repentance at one moment you have listening and getting the word of the Lord, and the next moment you have sacrifice. Because you cannot truly sacrifice what God wants you to sacrifice in obedience if you don't have repentance, a listening ear, 
and the willingness to be at the right place at the right time. Lay down our self-worth. Who are you? Lay it down. Lay it down. Number three, write this down. Laying down our riches. Last point, laying down our riches. I, I think that people in general often are not generous with their finances in life in the community of believers with their families because they're missing out on a revelation of God's generosity towards us. We often are just a reflection of what we believe about God's perspective towards us. We are a reflection of what we've received often, right? If you grow up in a dysfunctional home, you often then, when you're older, outside of the grace of God, will release dysfunction into your home. But when you receive generosity and you receive love from God and you understand who He is, it makes you want to be generous. It's a reflection of what He does in you and for you and to you. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and while that we were still sinners, He died for us. That's a generous statement that while you didn't deserve it, He died for you. That's generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's generosity. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him not because we can love him. We love him because he first loved us. We're simply just returning the favor. We're returning the love that we've already received. And often, if we have a withholding spirit in life, whether it's financially, our time, or whatever the case may be, it's often a reflection that we don't know God's generosity towards us. We really don't. And God wants us to be dirty in this season in our generosity. What I mean by that is to get low, to lay down our self-worth, to lay down our identity, to lay down and be sacrificial in what we give to God in our everyday life. There is more time to be given to God. There's more of your talent to be given to God. There is more trust for you to have when it comes to your finances. There's, there's, more, there's, there's, there's more emotional equity on the inside of you for you to offer up to God in this season. I believe that. And if you would just lean in, God will take all of that and turn it into something amazing. Are you with me? This morning, I, man, all throughout Scripture, we just see the power, the power of, of, of generosity, the power of when it doesn't make any sense, laying down our, our riches, what matters to us. This is why we talk about, you know, and teach on generosity in the house. And it's not just about our time, but our, our guests, it's about also about money. There's something that God does in you when you begin to trust God with your money. There's something that happens in you when you begin to trust God with your everyday. Like, I was telling Matt last night, like, in the car as we were driving, like, man, like, for me, like when I tithe, which is 10% of my income, back to the, the house of God and to honor God with it, it's just like, it's a, uh, I'm not expecting anything in return. It's just, a, it's just a, a trust thing that keeps me stable in knowing that, hey, God is first in everything. And God is first in what really matters in life. And what really matters for most people is money. Not having enough or having more. 
Now, it doesn't matter in the kingdom, but for most people, that's what matters. And that's why one of the reasons why God actually uses this to teach his people about trust. One of the first things to do, God, like, wait, I trust you. But when I give an offering, when I go above and beyond and I say, God, like, I'm going to step out and I sacrifice and I'm listening to God on that, we always see the craziest of miracles. And I love that over the years, my kids, 11-11, my kids have experienced it. My kids have witnessed the miracles of God because we've stepped out and sacrificed in times of need and times when we had great need. And those are usually the, it's usually what happens. God will ask you to do something when you actually don't want to do it the most. And it makes the least amount of sense. He'll ask you to do something. But those are the moments of great breakthrough. You know, in this house, I'm so thankful for the generosity of this house. Everyone in this house is super generous. And I, I, my prayer in this season is that we go to the next level in our generosity. You know, we have, according to our metrics and the way that we track everything in this house to help us know where we need to grow and where we need to strengthen. We have 200 and about 20 people, 227 was the number, about 220 people that call Kingdom Culture their home. You know, not all of them show up on a Sunday. You know, statistically speaking, you have people show up, you know, every three to six weeks often. You have a core group of people that will come consistently. But 227, and we track that by maybe it's, you know, off and on giving. You know, they've showed up at different things, whatever. We, we kind of track it by, there's certain ways that we can track that to know where our strength is. And according to our metrics, 22% of our house tithes. Now that's an estimation because nobody knows the income. But it's consistent. We can see it's consistent. But man, what would it look like for 100%, not that I think that is even possible. Maybe I'm uh, rebuked myself on that one. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that, that feels like a miracle in and of itself. But let's just say 80% of people actually trust God with their tithe. Like what we would be able to do. How we'd be able to service our community. Like what we would actually be able to do. How we could grow and expand. It blows my mind. Like if 22% carry the weight of the whole thing as a majority, that's wild to me. That's unfortunately a statistic across the board. In fact, it's actually lower in most places around North America as a general, as an average. There is about 12% that are constant givers. Constant givers, 12%. Even if that 12% start to step up in their generosity, what we'd be able to do. But we feel stuck. How can we get a building like I've said, we've addressed the sin of Achan over the last season. How can we get a building and move forward if only 22% of our culture is all in on that? We can't move forward. We can't move forward. And this is a, an encouragement to our community. People that call Kingdom Culture their home. This is not for those guests that are here first time, second time, third time. You're on a journey with us. Hey, this is for people that call Kingdom Culture home. I'm, I'm talking about what we could do in this city, what we could do as a church, where we could go if more people were bought in. you got to understand, we came out of a pandemic. A pandemic that was wild and crazy. You know, we came out of a pandemic strong in a lot of ways. As we came back in, we got hit with some 
major stuff and some major loss coming back in. And we need to see a shift. And one of the things that God spoke to me at the beginning of the year is like, Sean, you need, like I need, I want, I desire this culture to step up in their generosity. You're like, well, am I just talking about money? No, it's not just about money at the end of the day. But man, money is a reflection of the heart that's all in, that says you're worthy of it all. Like money really is a reflection of where you're at. And this is, once again, this is not a rebuke. But there is like a whole bunch of other people that call KC their home 46% that have never invested. And I just wonder in this season, man, if God would speak to those individuals what would take place not only in their lives but what we'd be able to do as a community moving forward. This is an encouragement in this season. Let's pray together that if we're going to advance, if we're going to build, if we're going to move into the next season and transition and find a building, that the whole gets stronger. That the whole begins to carry the weight together in a whole new way. I want us to stand up real quick. This was not something that I really totally planned to share today, this morning. I had thought about it. I wasn't sure, but I just feel like God wants to encourage us this morning in this. I'm being very practical, and I'm encouraging dirty generosity in this season. I'm encouraging honor culture in this season. I'm encouraging, like, how can we as a house get stronger together and move to the place that God's called us to move? We don't just want people that call KC their home to just follow the flow. We want them to be a part of the flow. We want you to be a part of the flow, in the water with us, dirty down in the dirt with us as we grind together to build what God wants us to build moving forward. I just believe this. One of the best things you can do in this season is to test God. You're like, I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe in, in giving. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Okay, test them out. Try it. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a delivery man. I see it all through Scripture. I've experienced it myself. People in this house have lived a life of generosity and have experienced the transformation it brings. If you don't take their word for it, don't take my word for it. Take the Bible's word for it. Test God. Try it. Give them six months. See what happens. You watch what God begins to do in your heart. But I can't let it go. I don't have enough. You have a dollar. A dollar a day. Two dollars a day. Maybe it's sacrificing two Starbucks a week. I don't know what it is for you. But man, people that say they don't have it, have it. They just put it somewhere else. Right? And so God, I pray that in this season, as a church family, that we would go to the next level in our generosity. That you would break through the religious. I, if this is rattling you, that is so good. I've done my job. If you are absolutely bothered by what I'm saying, I have done my job. I will hear after people, why are you talking about money? I will talk about money because Jesus talked about money. He talked about money more than he did about prayer. That says something, right? Oh, but God, God will provide. Yes, he will. But God wants to raise up his people. God wants to raise up his people. He wants to disciple his people. He wants to grow his people. He wants to grow their generosity. He wants to challenge them. He wants to test them. He wants Marys in the house that are willing to lay down it all for Jesus, the feet of Jesus, get low and dirty. It makes no sense. Everybody else is like, well, that could have been given to the poor. It could have been given over here. But man, you don't know what God's going to do with what you do until you do it. 
There's always going to be the haters, always going to be the people, the Judases in the room that actually don't care. They just want to sound religious. They want to sound holy. At the end of the day, you do what God's calling you to do, and you watch what he will do in and through your life. I want you to close your eyes and just lift your hands as we close here this morning. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in this season. God, I thank you for supernatural breakthrough in our personal lives, in our finances, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families. Come on, let's agree together. Uh, this is a, one of those seasons where you are waking up in your job. You're waking up. I pray for passion to come back for your job. Some of you have lost your passion in your job. You've lost your passion for your work. You've lost your passion for your relationships. You've lost your passion for your marriage. You've lost your passion for, for God in some way. I don't know what that is, but I pray for a new fire to be put on the inside of you in this season. A new fire to be put on the inside of you. A new fire to be put on top of you in this season. A new fire that would set you free from the mundane. God would set us free from the mundane, set us free from the dull, set us free from the fear, set us free from the what-ifs, the uncertainties that are holding us in paralysis. Set us free, God. Set us free, God. Come on. In this room, we're asking for you to set us free. God, heal us of dullness. Heal us. Heal us. Heal us. Heal us. Heal us, God. Heal us where we have withheld back our best from you. Heal us where we have held back our best from you. Heal us where we have held back and withheld what is precious to you. Heal us, God. Heal us. Heal us. God, we are, we are stepping out of what's comfortable in this season and into what you called us to step into in this season. God, I pray that as a house that we would begin to see the beginnings of breaking through financially for a building in this house. God, for movement in that area. God, I pray for movement in that area. That even by the end of the year, in the 11th hour, that we would see some sort of sign of movement for change, for a building. But God, I know that it's your people, it's your people, that if we come together as one in unity, in vision, to see a city transformed, to be a, see a city served in a whole new way, to come together with a, with, with a vision to worship the one true God with passion, being all in. I know, God, you're going to do only what you can do. You're going to blow our minds. And I pray, God, for passion to come into this house. I pray for wild faith to come in this house in this season. For wild faith to come into this house, God. Wild faith in this season financially. Wild faith, God, in our careers. Wild faith in our relationships. Wild faith, God, how we minister in the marketplace. Wild faith in Jesus' name. Let it be, God. Let it be. Let it be.